Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Welcome to Garden Better, your gardens and outdoor lifestyle podcast from Better Homes and Gardens magazine. I'm Adam Woodhams and with me is Jenny Dillon. Hi Adam, how are you? I'm fantastic, thanks. We've got a great episode coming up for you today. And what are we going to be talking about, Adam? We are going to be having a look at waking your garden up after winter. All of those classic spring garden tasks that will help see your garden across through into summer. And then I reckon we need to have a look at what goes on in the garden after dark, Jen. Oh, Good. I like that one. <laughs> well, we're going to have a look at garden lighting anyway. Yeah. Well, I reckon at this time of the year, there's there's absolutely no way you can restrain people from getting out. I mean, after winter, it's cold, it's wet, we hate it. I'm just bursting at the seams to get out there. Well, then we better make sure that the garden is worth getting into. So shall we get into it? Mm-hmm. First things first. So after a rough old winter, chances are your garden is looking a bit worse for wear. And I must admit, it looks like we're staring down the barrel of a possibility of a long, hot summer, doesn't it, Jen? Yeah, it's like a kid's bedroom. You've got to get in there every once in a while and tidy it up. And who knows what you're going to find. (laughs) Sometimes those important things that you wanted to find and other times not so much. Mm -hmm. So look, I reckon some simple tips for getting your garden looking awesome. And that's the key, isn't it? Because we really want to make sure it's nice and easy and simple. Well, it is so, it's so important to do it this time of the year. It's, it's not hot, it's warm, it's comfortable. You can do all the legwork, all the hard work right now so that come summertime, all you have to do is turn on the sprinkler if you're allowed. If you're allowed to. Yeah, well, and so. I, I kind of think of the work you're doing now as being an investment as well because mm-hmm. you, you're laying down those foundation tasks that are going to make sure that the garden is, is performing well and looking great across summer. But uh, to me, the first thing all round, and I know this sounds a bit old school, but get out there and tidy up, Mm -hmm. rake and sweep and raking the lawn, for example, your lawn can look terrible after winter. Go over it with a a wire leaf rake. Now, not one of the plastic ones, but one of the ones that has the spring tines, those, Mm -hmm. those wire tines. Go over your lawn with one of those. And I have to tell you, the lawn will look a million bucks afterwards it, because not only will you get rid of all the loose material that's fallen, all the leaves and twigs and all that sort of stuff, but what it will do is it will lightly scratch out all of the dead foliage that's built up over winter. So yes. you get rid of the dead leaves and you're left with the nice green stuff and hopefully, unless your lawn has gone really badly over winter, um, hopefully <laughs> your lawn will still look reasonably good afterwards. So it makes an incredible improvement and you, you'll be surprised how much comes out. You can end up with little mounds of of just dead foliage that you've raked out over even a relatively small area. And your lawn will look like it's just come back from the beauty salon. Basically, yes. Mm. It's kind of like a lawn manicure or something, isn't it? Yes. But, uh, of course, you can, can, if you wish, use the blower. Blowers are one of those very contentious things. No, you don't use the blower. (laughs) Sorry. Putting my foot down. Hey, can I tell you? I'm no, no, no. I'm, I'm, you, I'm, no, 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 don't interrupt. I'm very, very firm about this. 
you don't use the blower. You can get them now with a vacuum. Oh well, that's yeah, that is very true. You can get them with the vac, and then but you can use the blower to push everything to one spot, no, and then you vacuum it up. No, yeah, no, yeah. vacuum up as you go. I must tell you, there is obviously a lot of interest in leaf blowers, though. Because that's my most, single most popular video on my YouTube channel is is my how to use a leaf blower you know, and still I've, get along with your neighbours. I've got a term for men who use leaf blowers and it's not <laughs> flattering. And I used it on my neighbour once. Well, we might move on to pruning off spent flowers then. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the other things you could do, of course. There's things that have been flowering in, in early spring and, and across winter that you want to prune them off to get everything nice and neat and organised yeah. again. Mm-hmm. But uh, we had a bit of a, a talk about feeding in a recent episode and it's important to remember that now is a great time for feeding. That's right. So if you feed now, that'll keep you going for the next couple of months. And one of the important things, of course, is to get into the pruning because there's lots and lots of bits and pieces out there that do need to be pruned, a, a light head, a hair cut. Hedge cut. I went to see. I was trying to say hedge and haircut at the same time, and I got a hedge cut. You got a new word. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a writer. I'm allowed to invent words. You're also horticulturist, <laughs> and we tend to make up words. We it's do. our we, job. Yeah, we do. <laughs> hey, let's add some Greek and some Latin, and let's call it a new word. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, no, it is a good time to be pruning, particularly if you've got hedges and topiary and things like that, because they they can be starting to look a bit shaggy. Can't well, they? they look really shaggy. Growth through winter is very erratic. You never know what's happening, and 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 also you've got to get things into shape because growth becomes really strong over summer. So you just lay the bones for what you want things to look like. Well, that's it. And and the point, that's that really nails it completely because things have become a little bit sparse over winter and then they put on that new flush of growth. And if you don't give them a nice haircut, then you tend to end up with that very much the outward growth without mm. getting the coverage of anything that's looking sparse inside. But give it that light prune and you get multiple branching off from that cut and that tends to disguise any any stragginess that's happening on the inside. So, mm. yes, certainly certainly a great time. And we, we've chatted too about mulching. Now's a good time to be mulching before it warms up too much. Um, watering, you know, that that we've had a lot of the countries had a very dry winter, so yep. it's a good time to be trying to get some deep watering in, assuming that you're you're allowed to in your region. Well, it's a problem. There's a lot of regions where there are you know huge water restrictions. You can't water after ten o'clock or before four o'clock. You can't mm. use a sprinkler. Uh, there's all sorts of restrictions, so you've really got to sort of engage all your water-saving um, tactics. Well, I, I think in an upcoming episode, we need to have a chat about some great ideas for how to uh, conserve water in the garden and make good use of it. Now, also, it's a, it is still a very good time to be planting because the soil's just starting to warm up and it's not too hot. It's the best time for planting. Mm. Actually, this time and autumn, depending on where you are, it's comfortable in the garden. You're not putting on a sweat. And yes, the soil is warm and the plant's just want to get going. Yeah, well, they're, they're naturally putting out that growth at this time, mm. which is one of the big advantages of it. And the soil's just starting to warm up. The days are getting a little bit longer. And one of the things that I really do like to drive home too is that get out of that sort of frame of mind that all of this stuff that you've done with the pruning and the clippings that have fallen and the stuff you raked off the lawn and all that stuff that you've swept up in your blower, whether you've blown it or whether you've swept it up with the blower, <laughs> um, all of that stuff, it's not waste. Don't think of this stuff as waste because it can be very useful. If you've got a if you've got a compost heap, you can be putting all of that onto the compost and mm-hmm. within a couple of months, it's going to be fantastic stuff to go back into your garden. Or you can even use it, a lot of it can be used immediately as mulch. As mulch, mm. yeah. If you're a gardener, you've got a compost or you've got a, a worm farm or you've got some sort of little bucket where things 
breakdown. Yes, it's it's crazy not to really because mm. you generally collecting this stuff and sending it off to the council, you know, in your green waste bin or whatever the case may be. And then you're going to a shop and buying the same sort of same stuff, stuff in a bag. And bringing it back <laughs> home again. Back home. <laughs> so just and cut, cut the middleman out. Do it yourself. there's so little work involved in, in, in composting. Just sort of, you know, get out there with a fork and turn it over every now and then. That's it. Throw the hose on it. And all this stuff at this time of year, beautiful time to be working it's in gorgeous. the garden. gorgeous. Yeah, Absolutely. After dark, Jen. Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> well, all too often, though, our gardens, you know, we love them. We love our outdoor spaces. We love our decks. We love our lawns. And then the sun goes down and suddenly we all shuffle back inside and we don't do anything. But there is an easy way around that, isn't there? Yeah. You light up your garden. Light up your garden. Now, back when I was a kid, that was a long time ago. That's why I left a big pause. <laughs> Back when I was a kid, lighting up your garden involved some really daggy festoon lights of, mm-hmm. of just typical incandescent globes on a on a long string that always looked really dodgy, held up with a couple of galvanised nails, or it'd be a fluorescent tube that would be equally dodgily erected and hung up over the over the outdoor area. And, and that was about the option, wasn't it? Well, it was, and that's why you never saw a single woman out there with you. No, that lighting didn't do their features any good at all. <laughs> That's exactly right. I never thought about that. There you are. That there explains it. Oh, mm-hmm. There's probably other things in my case. But anyway, the other option too, of course, though, was the the classic outdoor, you know, path 38, I think they were, the the big old floodlights, you know, the port of mm. flood globes. And, and again, but you're right, very unflattering. Definitely not mood lighting, was it? Right. And certainly not. One way to engage with your neighbours, I'd be hating you no, for that. That's right. You angle angle that floodlight the wrong way and, yes. and they're awake all night as well as you are. But that's all changed because garden lighting has moved on in leaps and bounds. And in fact, just in the last few years, we've seen some incredible changes thanks to LED technology. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so some, some of the stuff you can do is just, just fantastic. Um, I particularly like the way you can basically – well, I'll, I'll go backwards a little bit on that – there's two types of lighting. We were joking before about the rest of that lighting. That's what I call amenity lighting. You know, that sort of lighting where you are functionally lighting a space up. Yeah. And then there's the decorative lighting or that that very much the accessorizing the garden. So you're highlighting features and you 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 know bordering pathways and doing all those sorts of things. And I think I think that's important when we start talking about garden lighting. We draw a line between the difference of the the two of those because you do do need different things at different times you know if you've got everybody around for a nice relaxing evening then you want that that very much that mood lighting whereas Mm -hmm. if you're wanting to go out and take stuff off the washing line at night you're going to still want that amenity lighting yes and led has made an enormous difference to to both of those because the power consumption is so incredibly low and this is the thing that blows me away and i'll I'll fall back on that example again of the the par 38 that classic floodlight globe. Now, normally they used to be 100, 100 or 110 watt globes, which is a, a fair bit of power to chew up. You switch something like that over now to LED and you're looking at only 8 to 14 watts of power consumption. So it does actually become viable to run a little bit more lighting outdoors without worrying too much about power use, which everybody these days is obviously deeply concerned about. Yeah, and also you can use it in so many different subtle ways, you know, and so you're not actually turning night into day, which was Mm. always the danger in the past. You can also use it, you know, in a very artistic way to highlight things that you don't notice during the daylight hours because 
you're looking at different aspects of things. You can put a little light in the middle of a bush and it makes it glow. Mm. Or you could put it behind a bush and it makes it sort of gives it a lovely ghostly outline. Well, and particularly if you've got a, a tree with a slightly lifted canopy, you know, you've got that ability to be putting the, the light up the front of the trunk and showing off the framework of the branches, which you you otherwise might not see at all. And cast some wonderful shadows as well. Yes, yes. So much different from, from the daylight shadows. Yes, indeed. And of course, there's things like uh, fairy lights, you know, that you can use for highlighting the framework of a, a tree. No. Or, or a fa- you, no, you're not no. a fan of the fairy lights? <laughs> <laughs> no, can we please stop having the fairy lights? Oh, I kind of like them though. Oh, you're just a little boy. <laughs> <laughs> but the, one of the big advantages too with this all this sort of gear all switching down to LED is that solar became a lot more viable. So it mm. means you can have these self-contained units. You don't have all the trouble of having to run leads and, mm. and get a Sparky to install an outdoor PowerPoint and all that sort of stuff. So you can basically at the furthermost corner of the yard set up a little solar spotlight or some fairy lights, whichever takes you fancy. <laughs> I'll set the possums on you if you're not careful. (laughs) Set the possums on the fairy lights. (laughs) Yes. But I suppose the biggest advantage of that is that the old uh, outdoor lighting systems tend to use uh, halogens, for example, for the spotlights, and you were very limited. You'd have a really big transformer and you'd only be Mm. able to connect, you know, two or three or four spotlights to it and maybe a couple of little path lights. Mm. But now when you're talking LED, you can be connecting a dozen or more lights to one transformer. And Mm -hmm. and in fact, you can go a lot more beyond that. But you have that advantage now, of course, of of not needing multiple transformers. You can just be running uh, virtually an entire garden off a single transformer. Off a single one, yeah. I think, too, another great one is the advantages of colour changing. It's no longer just a a bright white or a a warm white. You can actually basically go through any colour that you want to go through. And, Jen, you're just looking at me in absolute horror when I'm talking about you. I am. I am. I mean... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> You've got the colour in the garden during the day and it's stunning. Just, you know, just be subtle in the evenings, you know, and enjoy other people's company. But I don't you know, know, light up the conversation, not up the garden that way. I, I, you can I use see. colourful language rather than colourful lights. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to have a definite line of difference on this one, aren't we, Jen? I certainly I like that. Okay, let's call it novelty value. But I like that novelty value of being able to cycle through different colours or or to to highlight shrubs green. I have a problem because I don't even do Christmas lights. Oh, I see. This is okay. Lay back on the couch there, Jen. We're (laughs) we're getting back to a deep problem with Christmas. This is what it's all about, isn't it? (laughs) I never got enough presents. <laughs> but no, think of the things you can do with, like you mentioned before, you could uplight into a bush. I mean, you could actually you you use a red coloured light, you turn it into the burning bush. You could do all sorts of weird and wonderful things with colour. Very biblical of you, isn't it? <laughs> no, I just think a light should be used far more subtly. You know, just one utility guide your way and to highlight. You know, turn it into an art thing. You know, not a kaleidoscopic psychedelic poster. Well, I think, though, that our conversation and our, our differences on this, have, <laughs> but it's it's proved a really good point. It's proved exactly how versatile well, modern yes. garden lighting actually is. And you can do anything. Yeah, that you can. Now. You can go from switching in the space of uh, literally the blink of an eye because a lot of this stuff 
now can be app controlled as well, that you can go from delicate, subtle, warm whites and and highlights, highlighting frameworks of plants to suddenly you're at the Copacabana and you, you're going crazy. Can I just make one suggestion, one place where you keep the lights out, and that's the cubby house. Yes. Why? What happens in the cubby house, Jen? I'm, I'm deeply concerned about this. Oh, you don't want the kids in the cubby house. You want to keep the kids out of the cubby the house. kids are in bed. Oh. <laughs> Very true. Okay. Hey, well, look, I reckon we need to bring in an expert on this and let's have a chat with someone that knows a lot more about outdoor lighting than you and I. Okay. And welcome Matt Witchman from Holman Garden Lighting. Look, thanks for joining us. Now, a lot of people may well know Holman from your extensive range of watering equipment, but you guys have taken the natural step now of branching out into garden lighting. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right, Adam. Well, in fact, Holman did garden lighting many years ago. Uh, the business was heavily invested in the 90s and had a great uh, range back then. Many things have changed since then. Um, newer technology, better lights, and a safer way of connecting cabling has sparked our old passion for garden lights again. So about two years ago, we released a new range of Bluetooth garden, uh, garden lights. It's certainly a growing sector, isn't it? Because people are just starting to make a lot more use of their outdoors. And uh, Jen, my co-host, and I were chatting earlier about uh, amenity and feature lighting, you know, that difference between the, the lighting to put it a different way, functional lighting and decorative lighting. Now, where do you see the starting point is when people are starting to design or put together their lighting for outdoors? Yeah, look, garden lighting can be so versatile and there's many different ways uh, and techniques that you can use uh, depending on your garden and your space. Um, we recommend starting by identifying a feature item in your garden, so like an ornamented tree or a decorative wall, and uplighting them with spotlights. Such an easy way to make your house stand out in the street. Path driveways and stairs can can be illuminated with our path lights or deck lights for function and safety. So really, really good. And there's so many ways really to get into it. I think the beauty is that lighting lets you expand on your outdoor space, doesn't it? That's the reality of it, that without using some quality outdoor or garden lighting, that your outdoor space sort of ends at the edge of the deck. You know, you, you suddenly you've got that ability where you can turn on that area after dark and still retain use because you can safely light the steps. You can have that lighting along a pathway. And then, as you said, you know, even just something as simple as having a spotlight shining up a wall suddenly can turn that wall into a, into a beautiful feature after dark. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, especially our spring and summer evenings are just so beautiful. And you really don't want to spend them indoors, especially if you've got your friends and family over for a barbecue or playing outdoor cricket. So just after an easy DIY weekend, setting up the garden lights is super easy and, and you can use them, um, you know, playing cricket in the in the outdoors, uh, not losing the ball. Um, and, and it doesn't need much, you know, a couple of lights um, will do the job really and um, they're, they're great for that. Yeah, and that, that was the question I was going to ask, the the ease of DIY installation. I suppose that because all of all of your gear, for example, is low voltage, so that means that as long as folks have a, a suitable outdoor power point, it makes it very easy for them to be plugging into that and, and creating that outdoor lighting, isn't it? Yeah, and that was really the game changer for us, um, the low voltage, 12 volt. So you don't need to need to have a sparky run to set up your garden lights. All the, all the cabling is a really simple plug and socket system uh, so you, you can have actually the control and the lights going while you set up the, the lights which makes it really easy to identify your design because you, you've got the lights on while you're doing it um, and it's easy to, to bury the cables and it's DIY safe uh, really easy to do 
Well, and it, the beauty too, of course, now is that systems such as yours are app controlled so that you effectively, you just install a base station and then your phone can talk to the the lighting system and you can be making all sorts of changes. So what, what sort of changes can people make through their phone? So they, they, they just basically pull up an app and then they can do what with their lighting? Well, that's right. So it's, it's basically just a controller that functions also as a, as a transformer and you control everything from, from your smartphone. So from the brightness of your light, uh, the colors of the lights for the for the RGB lights are uh, dimmable, um, run cycles and scenes through them. So if you have a party on, you might just want to put the party mode on. And uh, you can also automate your on and off times. So have the lights on when you want and have them off when you want. Yeah, that, that's very cool, isn't it? Because you could, in fact, use that as well for um, home security, that you could have it looking like somebody's around the outdoors at night by turning the lights on and off. But I, I must admit, I love the idea of the, the color changing. You know, I mentioned before the idea of just shining a spotlight up a wall. And if you then have that changing multiple colors, you can. it's like you're painting a wall 15 different colors in one night. Absolutely. And it's actually really good fun. Once you've got the kids out in the garden and you see see the lights change and see, see it all happening from your phone, they get really engaged. Um, but really like, like music, color lighting is a great way of set, set the mood for your outdoor evening. Um, have them red, have them purple. Um, in fact, having a plum tree or a cherry tree in a, in a nice purple looks amazing. Yeah, well, I, I recall having seen, um, I don't know if you've ever been to Floriard down in Canberra where they have their incredible night showing of the uh, all the various bulbs, the flowering, spring flowering bulbs, and they do them with different colours and it just adds a completely different aspect to uh, a coloured tree or a flowering tree of some sort when you throw a different coloured light onto it. It's quite incredible. It certainly transforms uh, your home and, and that's really what we find is uh, if you walk along the, the street in your neighbourhood, the, the houses that are lit up stand out uh, fantastically and really makes a million-dollar home. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more, couldn't agree more. Now, look, just as we start to wrap up, do you have a few tips? What are your favorite tips for people if they're thinking about installing lighting and the best way to use it and how they can get the most from lighting at their place? I think start start simple. Get a couple of spotlights, uh, have nice trees or, or even buildings or features you want to light up and, and just light up. The nice things in your garden, um, bit bit of spotlights around around the garden. Go for RGB uh, lighting, which which has a nice flare and, and changes it over Christmas. Really nice or warm white for the more classic way. But really start start simple. Have pathway uh, path lights for your pathways a bit for security uh, reasons as well, so you don't trip over. There's so many so many ways, and and yet again with the plug and socket system, it's so easy to expand as well. So you might want to uh, only start with two or four lights and then expand as you go, the more comfortable, uh, confident you, you get with the system. Well, thank you very much, Matt Witchman. I must say it's been, dare I say it, enlightening. And for more info on Holman Outdoor Lighting, just drop by their webpage at holmanindustries.com.au. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Adam. Cheers. Gardening by the Moon with Milton Black. Hi, Milton. How are you today? Oh, very well, Jan, and uh, what a uh, funny sort of a week this is for planting. Yeah. This week, of course, we're looking at planting below the ground. Right. So those are things like uh, carrots, radishes, 
your, your garlic, anything that grows below, the tumours that grow below the ground. Mm-hmm. And what a great week it is for transplanting too. So you can transplant all those little out of your seed box into your garden. Mm-hmm. Or alternatively, you can transplant your trees and your shrubs as well. Today, on the 14th, of course, is a full moon in Aries. So you just do not do any planting today. The full moon is an absolute no-no. From the new moon to the full moon, you plant above ground crops. The full moon down to the next new moon or the last quarter, you're planting below ground crops. So on Tuesday, the moon goes into the semi-fertile sign of Taurus at 2.24 in the morning. So you can get up early in the morning at about 7, 8 o'clock while the wind's down and it's a nice morning. Go out there and do some planting in your garden. Tuesday and Wednesday... Uh, is fabulous days for gardening, particularly below ground crops. You can put your potatoes, you can put your um, your radishes, your beetroot, anything that grows below the ground. Also, those are good days for transplanting as well. But a good day for transplanting really is when the moon uh, goes into Gemini at 2.30 p.m. on Thursday, and then it stays in there on Friday. Now, those are two non-fertile signs, but good signs for actually transplanting things. So if you want to transplant, the best day really would probably be Friday, but you can do it on Thursday too if you want to, and you can do trees as well. But the moon enters in Cancer on Saturday and Sunday. Now, Saturday the 19th and Sunday the 20th, fabulous days for the garden, but only below ground crops. Right. that go in on those days. Now, you can also do a little bit of fertilising if you want to, but just very, very light on those days. And if you want to do a bit of pruning, the best days for pruning this week would be around uh, Thursday and Friday and the two non-fertile signs of Gemini. So just a little bit of light pruning there. I think this is a fabulous week for all those below-ground crops. And uh, you can enjoy that tremendously. And don't forget, our good friend, white vinegar mixed with water is excellent for around the garden. And this will kill all your little bugs and things like that too. So get that all prepared because next week we're going to talk about sprays and what have you. But you can prepare it this week on those two days, actually, of Thursday and Friday. You can prepare your garden for next week. But I do feel this week is just superb for below ground crops. Now, just one thing too, Jen, Mm -hmm. from the moon when it moves into uh, Cancer on the 19th and 20th, of course, that is the good days we mentioned for below ground crops. But on the 21st, that's the last quarter of the moon, which is in Cancer, which is a fertile sign, but we don't plant on the last quarter. What you do now is get all those sprays out that you want to spray and spray all your plants from the 22nd right through until the 27th. Now, that's your big, big pruning time as well. So the moon's going to enter into Leo uh, on uh, Tuesday the 22nd, and it stays in Leo on the 23rd, and those are two perfect days for weed and feed, and also the moon and Virgo uh, on the 24th and 25th. Those are non-fertile signs as well. Absolutely superb for heavy pruning, spraying and spreading compost 
and the moon enters Libra on the 26th. Now, that is a fertile sign, but you don't plant when the moon's on that last quarter of the uh, of the cycle. Right. And so the 28th and the 27th are going to be days where you continue on with your pruning and your weeding and your spraying, and you don't plant lawns on those days either, right through this week from the 21st through to the 27th. What you do is you prepare your lawns. So you turn your soil, you get it rake off all the little stones, get everything ready and ready to plant on the uh, the following period from the 28th onwards. So we'll talk about that uh, next time. Now, just as a matter of interest, mm-hmm. what do you call a tick on the moon? It's a lunar tick. A lunar tick. Brilliant. <laughs> Thanks, Milton. See you soon. That was another great episode, Jen. What do you reckon? Certainly was, Adam. And we'll be back in two weeks' time with more Garden Chat. But in the meantime, where can people find you? Well, the easiest way is to jump onto YouTube and just search Adam Woodhams and they'll find my channel there with all sorts of videos on garden things and DIY and landscape and other odds and ends there. Fantastic. And if you want more garden inspiration before the next episode... Follow us on Instagram. You can find us at BHGAUS. If you enjoyed this episode of Garden Better, then please take a moment to rate and review the show and don't forget to press that big old subscribe button. It's the best way to stay in touch with what we're doing and make sure you keep on top of every single episode. So we'll see you next time, Jen. You bet. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 